Et là, je suis là, je... Ouais. You're on. All right. All right. Um, so I think everyone has the source sheet. Um, basically, the. Um, all right, Clever, how much time do I have? You have uh, two hours and 23 minutes. I know. That's very scary. I don't think I'm going to show all of that. Um, What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> all right so um basically uh i sent you guys the source sheet and the general topic that this year touches on is um how can we reassess um some of the ways we look at how um denominations and orthodoxy um are sort of viewed and sort of like what are the nafkaminas of how we define the different groups. Um, and the reason I thought of giving this year is A, because it's like something that interested me for a while and B, um, because I was thinking about the theme of Lashon Hara and privacy law that we're looking at this summer. And in a lot of ways, there's this sort of gap that we see in our understanding of um, sort of like very basic premises like you know, like how far does like Chazak Re'ia extend? Like um, what's like, what's like the level of secrecy in Halacha and like what even is a secret and all that. And like these kinds of things are so fluid that it's often um, hard to even assess like, you know, is our community like good at following, you know, a basic level of you know, respecting people's privacy in the right reasons and also balancing that with um, saying Lashon Hara when it's Tolalit. Like, you know, like last week we talked about how there is a seeming contradiction where the Chavetz Chaim says that there are seven categories of times in which you're allowed to say Lashon Hara and everything else you're not allowed to say. Um, but then we talked about this paradox, which we um, brought up even more with Rabbi Ziering, where there's this kind of weird like a lack of gray area where not only are you not allowed to say Lashon Hara at certain times but you're actually forced to say Lashon Hara when you like need to like you know save someone or something like that um and it's like hard to sort of like figure out how to deal with these gray areas and like are we even you know properly observing this halacha today and stuff like that um so this led me to think of you know this sort of broader question of like there are some halakhic areas like terrains that we've kind of reached um, in our modern world where we don't exactly know what to do um, in opposition to other halakhic areas, which we sort of do have a good um, grounding in. Um, and, you know, saying like as a community, how good at, are we at like observing halakh in the first place um, is a more complicated question than we might think. Um, and, you know, we might call ourselves like, you know, observant, Jews or whatever, and yet, you know, have these very strong like blockages in certain um, mitzvot or ikalachot that we're still yet to um, like understand the meaning of. Um, so then there's a question of, you know, can we still call ourselves observant Jews if we're, you know, lacking one or two things? And um, if we look more broadly, this kind of um, gap could be seen in a lot of areas today where on one hand we have a lot of access to the internet and um, halakhic knowledge with 
um, the ability to open all the sources there are like right in front of you um, is ever increasing. Um, and as a result, there's more people who are, you know, knowledgeable in some areas of halacha, but, you know, a little bit, you know, more rusty and like others. And, you know, can we trust these people? You know, can, can we trust their kashers, for example? Do they have name on us? Um, you know, could someone else trust, you know, the kashers of a person that doesn't know where the boundary is between Tawels for Washinhara and, you know, when not to say Washinhara, like, you know, what kind of level of chiv do these people have? Um, are they considered mumarim in any sense? Um, or are they considered like ameha um, aretz with regard to something, but not another thing? Um, and there's kind of a lot of room to sort of explore these questions. And I think paradoxically, some Mikoro even from past times on seemingly simpler issues might give us hints to, um, you know, how to deal with these um, dilemmas. And I think there's a couple axes that we can look at and, you know, each axis could, you know, yield some kind of insight into something. Um, so the first source that I brought um, is a discussion um, in Mar and Chagiga. And it basically talks about Ameha um, Aretz and how they sort of interact with Haverim. And Haverim is a category of um, people that are in contrast to Ameha Aretz able to observe mitzvah meticulously. Um, there's a couple definitions of Haverim throughout Chazal, but I think in my general impression, unless someone can correct me, there's somewhere in between like Tamide Chachamim and um, Ameha Aretz where like, you could trust them that like they know their thing um that they're you know like they know basic halacha and like you know they're they have all the like requisite jewish education but you know they're not necessarily like people who are you know being turned to for psaka let's say but they're like the average like ideal jew in the community kind of thing um so the gemara talks about um so basically it's i'm gonna like some sources, like I might go through more quickly than others because like depends on what point we want to make, but people are always welcome to like make comments and, you know, even things that I haven't looked at myself, like we can sort of discuss and um, sort of analyze. Um, but in short, the Gemara says, mm-hmm. So, um, Sarava versus Rabbi Eli, um, Rabbi Ila. Um, so the Brita talks about like a basket, um, that's like sort of like filled with vessels, um, and like one, you know, immerses them and, um, like then we say um, whether it's for truma um, or it's for like kodshim, um, they are like pure. Um, and then Abushal says that um, they are pure and fine for the purposes of truma, but not for uh, kodshim. And then uh, 
So um, the Gemara says, if so, um, then um, what about truma? So um, we would say that we shouldn't allow this for truma either. So, um, so for who do we say um, that um, like uh, one vessel cannot be immersed inside another one? So we say this for Chavirim, um, or like what we discussed before. Um, and Chavirim kind of know these things well. They're well-versed, like they, um, they know what's going on. Um, um, yeah, Tati has a question. So we're dealing, uh, yeah. we should clarify the case we're dealing with here. So we're talking about we're toveling something in a basket with other things, and the issue is like a chatzitza? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay, so why would it be okay for Truma but not for Kachin? Is it, I guess that's the question. Um, I think, yeah, I think that is the question. And like, I think we're later going to um, see that it's uh, like it might be okay for both, um, but there's a, the difference is not what we think. Um, you know, are we saying it's fundamentally okay, but not okay in a certain case, or are we saying it's fundamentally not okay, but it is okay in a certain case? Um, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Um, we're talking about, about Truma and um, crutching, so presumably, like, everybody agrees that it does work for, like, um, like the regular level of uh, um, the tar that everybody's supposed to do. So it does work in most cases, just not for. That would be my assumption if I were just looking at this. Yeah. Um, Brisa, right? Is usually like we we have three different like um like levels of like um how like tower we keep stuff, right? There's like normal level, there's truma level, and there's um, kodesh level. And I, I would assume that if we're only talking about truma and kodesh, then everybody must agree that it's fine for everything else. But I don't know. Yeah, that's what that's what I also thought. And and I guess it's kind of talking about like. With when it comes to the, so we trust people to be knowledgeable in general, but we want to be extra careful with these things. And it's, I guess, evaluating how much we trust people. Yeah. All right. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, Oh yeah, also like if people like want to read themselves out loud, like that's also um, welcome. So I'm not like the only one who's allowed to talk. So if anyone wants, um, they're welcome to like- I'm happy to read, but clearly I don't yeah. understand what's going on in the Gemara. So I'd rather you read. <laughs> or, um, like, like, like Rashi is saying the issue is like something about like, like the basket is um, is like um, like dividing the mikvah. So, Right, it, you're making them to two mikvahs, and then neither of them is has a oh. shear. That's what Rashi says, like on earlier on the Amud, it's like Shasan Kishim Mikvah, in shear, love is up, love is up, healthy Shemayim Mikvahran Bein, of Matzrim in Zafibor. So not would work at all. Um, so I think it's a Mafloka. I think that's the context. Uh, and Avishol says it does work for Shema. Right, so I think that like there's Maflokas between Rabba and Rabila that we don't have here, which I think is like. Related to this. Right. It seems the same as Hoka, same as Snipes. Yeah. 
This is the challenge of learning Gamora without not already knowing all of Shas Cold. Yeah, it's a problem. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so like I don't know a lot about Kutchum also. Um, I but uh learning messed it up a lot. But yeah. Um I guess we could just like uh speed through to like some of the points. Um so yeah, um I guess I'll like continue because um, yeah, so, uh, so um, you're worried about an Amaharetz, um, who is not especially like, knowledgeable about like ritual purity stuff. Um, and um, like might see a person who's a, like a bear um, mm. immersing like, um, and like he'll go and do that himself, but like not know the right way to do it. Um, so then Gimar is like, uh, mm-hmm. So Gimar says like, but we could also have the same issue as Truma, like, like all the issues like here parallel. Um, so um, and may also see a Khaver, um like doing some kind of like, um, emergent stuff and then being like, you know, I'll also do that. Um, and then, but like, what about the fact that we don't trust them anyhow? It's like, you know, that's kind of like troubling. So, uh, so, um, we could extend it and then also say, um, that we won't take a Kodesh from Emi Haaretz, um, because, um, like, you know, same problem. Um, so then, like, the Gemara brings in the other issue that this will cause Ava or, like, um, uh, antagonism um, between Javier and Amihart. So um, then again, like, the back and forth, like, what about Truma? Um, wouldn't Truma, like, differentiation um, between, like, the levels of what they do also cause um, Ava? Um, so then Gemara says that an Amaretz doesn't care if uh, Javier doesn't accept his truma because um, he could give his truma to uh, Kohen, who's also an Amaretz, who's his friend and like part of his circle. So like they could just, you know, maintain their separate groups and, you know, each do the stuff on their level um, and not have to like deal with um, what happens when the, they interact with people of a different like knowledge level. Um, um, so the Gemara says that um, we also see that um, like who's the Tana that is concerned for the Eva of Amharts. Um, so we bring in Rabbi Yossi. Um, um, and like I mentioned in the Brita, that Rabbi Yossi says that um, everyone is trusted for um, the purity of their wine and their oil um, that they bring to the Behemigdash um, throughout the year. Um, and like, why is that? Um, and that's in order 
to uh, um, make sure that each person doesn't like go off and like build build them up for themselves, like um, mm-hmm. and burn apart doing it for themselves and like separate themselves because um, right. that will lead to schisms and also like a spiritual buhara, I guess that kind of thing. Um, and Amara Papa Kiman Makabin Haidana So Saduta Amaret Kiman Kirabiosi. Um so Rapapa says, um according to who um do we um accept um like a testimony from Namharat today, um, even though we like supposedly don't trust their um level of observance. Um so according to Rabiosi, so basically, um, according to the times in which we do um, feel we can listen to Nam Haaretz, um, so Yeshom um, you know, Gemara kind of ends off kind of on that like specific note that um, like there is a solid opinion to rely on for Nimanis for Ami Haaretz, because I guess otherwise um, we would go with like, you know, keeping to the highest level of um, your, whoever you trust and like the Ami Haaretz, like as we saw before, would just go to their Kohen Am Haaretz friend and the Javier would go to their Javier friend and like whatever. And, you know, that seems kind of like the way of a lot of like social systems anyway. And then the Gemara says like explicitly, like, um, in terms of like crossing the boundaries, like Rabbi Yossi solidly presents an opinion that um, in some cases that's useful. Um, and when my computer froze, oh, never mind. Um, yeah, so so that's basically um, one example of um, how boundary crossing between a more knowledgeable and a less knowledgeable person for um, at least like their own personal like um, ability to like follow or you know um, allow someone else to be a kneman on behalf of them um, that we allow this boundary crossing specifically in order to um, prevent schisms in the community from happening and also when it's possible to um, prioritize the observance level of even the lowest um, knowledge um, level of person. Um, and the fact that it talks about Ameha arts here and not, um, let's say like the, like the more typical, um, who we think of as like people who don't follow Halacha, like, you know, like Mumar, let's say, or whatever. Um, that's kind of like, that's kind of interesting because mm-hmm. seemingly it's easier to get Ameha Arts to become more knowledgeable. You just teach them as opposed to like Mumarim who, you know, either like are rebellious, like Mumarim Ohachis or, you know, other like people who like are co-firm, don't believe in God, whatever. Like here, here you would say that, um, like at least you could teach them arts and like, you know, should be pretty simple, but like even so, um, sometimes keeping like a low standard um, seems to be useful for um, even like the long-term, I guess, halakhic continuity of a community, which, you know, is like one point that um, we see here. Um, 
And a similar theme um, is talked about in the Ramah here, um, where um, we talk about cities in which, um, so I guess I'll read it. Um, um, so there's like cities where um, not only are there like no Talmud HaChamim that are like um, appropriate to be Dayanim, but even like if they're total like Amihards, like totally simple with respect to like knowing Torah. Um, so, um, and they need Dayanim um, to judge like spiritual matters for them um, so that like in cases where it's not relevant to go to secular courts of um of the Kochavim, um like uh, uh like idol worshippers or ever um um um, so, um, so even in that case, um, they're allowed to um, make for themselves their own day on him and take from the best people there are in the community um, and uh, listen to their, um, like, Sakim um, and, like, make themselves a Beidin, even though um, they're not rightly in from the Torah. So that's like, it's a pretty bold statement. Um, and I think what we're saying here is that, um, that for the sake of like preserving the Torah, um, it's better to um, keep a functioning community even with someone who is not the most knowledgeable in Torah to um, keep the minimum standard of like, I guess, Jewish practice in the community going as opposed to not having anyone, even if it like goes against like the ideals um, or the ideal level of um, Torah adherence. So that's also like um, a similar theme to um, the first two sources where we basically, yeah, like we changed the halakhic standards um, that we have for the sake of um, keeping community. Um, and in some cases, we just like lower standard to minimum. Um, in other cases, we like just say like, we're gonna work with what we have, even if it like actually might not be in line with some aspects of the Torah. Um, yeah, can you hear the nice question? Yeah. I don't know if the microphone's working. Yeah, so going back to the first source, um, we said that Rabbi Yossi is choshish for Eva, um, and we derive that from the fact that he doesn't want people, you know, going and slaughtering their own paradumas. So I wouldn't think that those are the same thing, that Eva is worried that they're going to hate us, and the whole slaughtering our own paraduma is concerned for, like, splits within a community. Like, which one is he saying? Are, are we are we concerned even that people will just you know split and do their own things, or are we only concerned about practices that will lead certain people to hate each other? 
Um, right. Um, I think it's two different points. Um, hmm. yeah, the first seems to derive one out from the other. Well, is a what does Eva literally mean? Is it means it's like contempt, kind of contempt? Yeah. Okay. Is it related to Boyave, like or for enemy? Because that um, might be. It might be more like just. Like rivalry is what I'm thinking about. Like an, an opponent, maybe. That I don't know how well that works etymologically, but I mean, in, in, in Tanakh, it's first used about uh, women hating snakes. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, fair enough. Um, yeah. Using like separate points. I mean, the Gemara clearly thinks there's some connection because it derives Ava from what Rabiosi said about the split in the community. Well, it's a split caused by a level of, like, people feel shame. It, you, it might be in certain ways not clear um, that, like, people setting up their own, like, splitting in the community, like, giving who on the arts coin and then even getting to the point of building their own bummer it's not clear that there's animosity there but you can see that play out it, like i've seen it play out in different communities right so are, are we concerned for the animosity or are we just concerned with the communal split i mean the communal split usually there's animosity as part of it it's okay but not always not always <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I... Hmm. Like I'm asking, like, is we are concerned that the community will split a legitimate halachic factor, or is it only if people will come to hate each other? Mm -hmm. I think they connect. I think they sort of connect those because they say like um, the community splits. It's partially because of the fact that like. Um, when people are on different pages, um, and like they value like the differences and like Nemona so much that they become on different pages because of that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. I think they're. Are also like levels in our disagreement. But I think it might be that the Gemara, we might see other cases where it's not, where there is an animosity, but I think the Gemara, they're seeing the animosity as a causal factor for a split. And I mean, I'm not, that's one way of reading it. Um, and I think. Yeah, we might disagree that animosity doesn't always isn't always reason why communities split, but I think the way Gamara is seeing it is that it's a common that when there's animosity, a split is likely to happen. And a split would be the bigger problem, I guess, then. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. And in terms of source three, 
are you saying that the Ramah is basing what he's saying off of the idea of not splitting the community? Or are we saying that we can derive from there that we don't want to split the community? Because he seemed like he's deriving it from we don't want people to go to non-Jewish courts and therefore we're going to be a bit more make on what constitutes a Jewish court. Um, I think that's part of his concern. Um, but also it seems like he's saying that like um, also like for the sake of like having because like a non-Jewish court can't like solve all the issues that a Jewish Beit Din can um, in terms of like fulfilling also like certain like co-occic things like marriage that like a non-Jewish court doesn't really have anything to do with in terms of like valid Kiddushin and stuff like that. So I don't think that's like fully part of it. Well, and then to think, yeah, like Kedushin, that's like if you can't do Hella Kedushin, which doesn't necessarily need a bait, really, it doesn't need a bait. Yeah, but, but like the whole thing, like, um, like getting and like uh, Gunos and stuff, right. like all the things the non Jewish court can't deal with, right? And, and it the, around marriage and by extension, children. You want to have that, well, but if it's not authoritative, it's in certain ways it becomes a big problem too if they get things wrong. It, it, it's yeah. it's type of thing where you want to keep people within the community because it could cause major, major issues down the line. But then if you, you have people who aren't knowledgeable, that can cause, that too causes big issues, so yeah yeah so that's like kind of more shocking even than like the first than the gemara yeah to me at least yeah yeah hmm. yeah so i guess uh so the next things are the true vote um and they kind of like offer an alternative um, solution, not like even alternative, like a different like situational model um, of dealing with issues. Um, so basically, um, Sarah Haraf Uziel um, has a very shocking um, sock where he basically allows um, someone to convert for the sake of marriage. Um, and this is like a kind of um, different spin on um, like the type of issue we were talking about before where um, before we're saying like Amehaaretz and like all those categories like always existed and now we're like, what do we do about it? Um, but then like, you know, a lot more modern Revoziel talks about um, like an actual practical problem that like we can actually name, which is like um, the fact that in our society, like there's um, a lot of like, you know, intermarriages um, 
happening and halakhically like they're in the halakhic community like seeks to um find a way to incorporate that situation into um like our modern understanding of how to respond um and especially in the case where um a lot of people are willing to um like undergo conversion for the sake of their partner um but then halakhically um we kind of assume and sort of know in most cases that you're not supposed to um, be a gear for any other reason than um, being a gear aesthetic. So um, shockingly, um, this kind of solution uh, illustrates a lot of um, like, you know, like the, the way that um, we strengthen the community um, and like also like prevent future issues um like also similarly to the past sources where like we want to make sure that we have a community where we prevent um like future non-observances by basically like in instituting a bait dean that like isn't perfect um shockingly enough um like as the Rama says um and also um like what do you call it um like accepting like a lower standard of MAR it's also um because like less the communities divide and like you know we lose a lot of like to our observance completely um so here too like I'm not gonna read the whole thing um I guess I'll go through the last uh, paragraph because that's kind of like the most interesting piece um Sarah Vosiel writes um so Domina Benidon Didan Shguya uh, um, so basically says that um, in this case where a man is already like secularly, you know, with a woman and he wants to marry her according to um, like an actual chupav um and therefore she has to convert for that. And like, can she convert for that? Um, so we're basically, he basically is saying that um, if she converts, she'll like, um, you know, so like she'll be close to his family as, you know, a spouse typically is. And through that will um, like acquire the Torah for herself. And um, as a result, her kids will, um, become like grandfather into that too and they'll you know not grow up as like you know a mixture of um you know different um things that like they're not sure of because you know if she's already like desiring to convert anyway then you know it's gonna like, create a situation where like if she doesn't then like the kids are gonna you know be placed in a situation where they don't know what like they want or should be um so Ravuziel basically allows 
her to convert um, both for the sake of knowing what will happen in the future and like being able to plan for that. And also out of a sort of practical um, understanding of the reality that um, as she becomes closer to her um, husband's um, family, like she'll kind of come to understand the Torah too, so, or, you know, be into it also. Um, and obviously, um, like, this is not a blanket kind of allowance for like everyone to convert for like any kind of utilitarian reason. Um, but like in this specific uh, Shoel's case, um, we see that in some cases we can um, understand the importance of conversion, even if it originally um, comes from a different place or a different like, I guess, intention. Um, so, yeah. That makes sense. Um, what? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. And then, um, so Rav Chaim, David Alevi, who, um, both of the people, interestingly, that I've um, included here are um, Sephardi Poskim. Um, and I think it happens to be so. Revoluziel here is talking about a case in Salonika, which is in Greece, mm-hmm. um, and it happens to be that um, the Sephardi community is unique um, in both in its methodology of a uh, psakim, um, in that a lot of communities are defined by having a kind of like traditional definition um, where. A lot of people might consider themselves like they don't use the term orthodox, but a lot of people like do things that are very, very traditional. Um, and some people do the same things a little bit less, but still give themselves the same title of traditional as the people that like actually go to show more and um, show up, you know, like, you know, go to Davening and Minion more, things like that. Um, so that might be reflected in. Um, the methodology of these psakim. Um, I want to also, I want to thank my friend um, Ellie Shalby for also um, helping me prepare some of these um, before even finding some of these sources, but um, helping me talk through the differences and methodologies between um, Sephardi um, and like especially Adelta Mizrach and um, Ashkenazi Psak, um, where um, um, Sephardi Psak sometimes like takes some like an analytical approach that's a little bit less like uh, um, like you know A B C D kind of style um, in order to deal with um, different kinds of issues. Obviously, there are many psakim, and I've not like I don't have the level of bikias in um, like any of the differences, but that's like one kind of um, general point that. Um, we discussed and it might be interesting to like look at the cultural context here. Um, so Sarab Chaim David Halevi, who I think was like the Sephardi chief rabbi in Israel at some point, um, he talks about a very famous heter. Um, the whole topic of famous like common heterim is interesting because what it basically says is like, you know, the entire community might have an issue with observing like a certain halacha. Um, and basically we somehow change a situation in order to redefine something in order to make it so that you're not actually like blah, blah, blah. Um, so like some examples of that are like uh, the Hetero Mechira, which is 
um, coming up uh, or, or you know, Shemitah um, mm -hmm. cycle, like uh, this coming like Hebrew year. Um, and then like the Chetel Mechuyat Chemetz is also um, like a situational thing that we do. So here we're talking about the Hetariska. Um, and that um, the interesting thing here is like um, uh, Rav Chaim Daudalevi talks about the reason this Heter was even given in the first place and why looking into this reason is useful for um, understanding like how we should practice it and how far we go because if we say that like um, Heterim are meant to prevent a community from like fully breaking the halacha and like you know still call itself like mitzvah observant um so then we should like be careful and make sure that like whatever her term we have in place like you know we like assess if we're actually using it right and like reassess and stuff like that um so um especially here like with with regard to koshin mishpat um economics has very largely like progressed in the last whatever hundred year i don't know i'm not an economist but uh um like there are so many more sophisticated situations that like if we want to continue calling ourselves um like halakhically observant jews like it's you know important to like know even like for the heterim how much we're like falling and how much we're not um so basically like the um harav chaim Levi talks about um like we obviously know that ribbit is prohibited um and the Gemara itself actually is the origin of the Hetariska. Um, it's not something that's completely made up um, in modern times, but um, its uses were extended um, by various, um, by Chazal, like over the years, um, even though it comes from like a, I guess, credible, not that Chazal isn't credible, like it, it like actually comes from the Gemara, but um, we still have to like um, reassess what we do with it um, depending on current circumstances. Um, so like Ribbit originally, um, her Chaim David Levy says is in order to make sure that like poor people aren't taken advantage of by like charging them extra interest um, that they're unable to pay. Um, and obviously like um, we know that um, Ribbit applies um, between Jews, although there are some post game that say that um, Christians and Muslims who um, are also like monotheistic um, can also be considered like non-ribbit partners with Jews. Um, that's like a different thing, but I thought that was interesting. Um, so here we're saying that um, like there's two different, like right now, in the world, if you want to start a business, um, it's very hard to get a business off the ground, and um, interest and like investments and stuff like that is um, like you really have to do it right if you want to succeed. Um, and basically, what a hetariska does is that it changes the definition of like a lender and like a lendee um, into like a sort of partnership. Um, so a lot of modern, modern banks, um, even in America, they allow people to um, do certain agreements um, that are based on their religion. Um, so like for a head to risk, there's like a whole thing, like set of things you have to sign um, to make it like 
show that you and the other person are like both participating in an investment like venture together as opposed to like one of you lending and being the lendy um, toward each other. Um, so basically um, we see here that um, the person who um, doesn't need support, um, but you know, is like willingly using Heteriska. Um, so that's kind of like the intention of it. Um, but like the people who are um, like, you know, non-business people and they're also using it, like, you know, we have to be careful with that. Um, so basically as the boundaries also of um, what like a full business partner is versus of like a set of partners that are just involved in like um, a transaction but might not be part of the same company. Um, like there's a lot of sort of overlap there that um, like we have to know like where we're actually observing Huaca and where we're not. And I think this source is actually the most similar to um, like the Washington horror stuff uh, and like the privacy stuff we're talking about because it's like one of those Ben Adam things that has like a lot of gray area um, and people could be using Heter like the Heter of Toilet like we were talking about. Um, and like, we wanna know that's for the right reasons. Um, so her Chaim David Levy says like, if you're gonna use Heter Mechir, you have to like know why you're doing it. So it's like similar to like, um, you were talking about like the eternal paradox of like, technically um, speaking Washington Hara for Tuala this loud, but you have to know that your intentions are pure, but how are you gonna know your intentions are pure? Um, if like, we don't really count that kind of thing normally. And at the same time, what actually matters with Washington Hara is like utilitarian stuff, but how do you know like the, impacts of the Washington Hara you say and like whether it falls into some category like all that stuff we were talking about last week um and then we can again say like how are we halakhically observant Jews if like you know we don't um know how to like divide up the gray areas um and I guess this is one of the things we don't like have the simplest answer for um but Harav Chaim David Levy like provides some kind of solution for um like how we potentially could um, like try to differentiate between like, are we looking at the original intent of the Hatter for the right reason or not? Um, um, I have a question, yeah. just clarification question. Um, yeah. It's Rena. Um, yeah, so hi. Um, are you saying that um, Rav Chaim David Halevi is saying that we can't, we're not supposed to really use heter mechira unless we're doing it for a pure intention. Um, is that? Uh, um, heter, I don't think he's saying uh, that. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, but, that's the one I meant, Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what he's saying is like, um, the, the intentions like here are kind of, clearer to address by this topic in general than like with like Washington Hara. 
but I think the general issue that he's saying is that like just like to look back and see if like the the purpose of the hetero is like we're still adhering to it um versus like just using it like wantonly um this reminds me of what Rabbi Zakir talked about where like what's that word called where um like the area uh the pen something it's like um it's like what the what Chazal intended versus what you think they intended versus like do you interpret based on oh, what they wrote versus what, or what they intended? Um, original intent versus. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> There's like a long word. I think it started with a D, but I forget. Uh, the, the opposite of original intent. You went to, to theories of interpreting the Constitution, which went one in, in one year and out the other because I am not a constitutional person. Yeah, oh. same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't remember. Original intent, I can remember because those words are English. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, same. But it's like summer. Um, but yeah, so it made me think of them. Um, so. Anyway, so how, how are we applying this from Chaim Levy to our topic? Um, so basically, like, this is the thing. Um, I was like talking before we're like um if we're we worry that there might be like widespread like misobservance of halakha even by people who are like considered from like we instituted heter um but we also like um we have to know like if the heter is actually doing the right thing of you know like making sure that like a widespread like halakha that might not be observed um you know is not like people aren't over on it by like um you know putting a header in place but as long as the header also like doesn't defeat its own purposes um because less like we could have an irony where it's like you know we all we often consider like people like who are like not shomer shabbos or like not shomer kashers as like not orthodox but like um what about like a person who like you know let's say like they live in israel and like they fully observe everything but like they like Shemitah is like very like inconvenient for them or like you know like these kinds of like business ventures like require them to like charge interest so that's why like a kind of global um heter is like established in order to um prevent us from saying like the entire community like does everything except for like they're over on like you know um being like charging a bit of other people all the time um so that's kind of like the creativity point that came to mind for me. Is he, saying, um, is he saying anything about setting communal boundaries here? It sounds like it's just we want people to be following halacha, and therefore we're going to create heterim to enable them to follow halacha. Um, I don't know if it talks like as straightforwardly about communal boundaries, um, but. I do think that it kind of like reinforces at least like an internal like understanding that like people can leave lead halachic lives um, without feeling like you know they have like this one kind of like gap um, and like you know not being self contradictory in a way. Also, like my question is like, what's the line? Like, how far do you think we could take this? Like. Um, you know, are there things that we can't 
apply this to in your opinion and like you know let's say the whole community as like the most extreme example i can think of um like the whole community decide just you know it becomes like common culture to become murderers let's say and so like people are just murdering left and right and this is just like that's what people do like for fun or you know maybe it's like a sport like in in greece i think it used to be like a thing where like people what is it called gladiators or something you guys yeah, know more about these things thing, roman yeah. yeah they're just like okay like we we basically like we watch these like type of sport things where like people try to like uh fight with like a lion or something and it's fun and uh and then so the rabbis come along and they'll be like yeah this is now you know everybody in the well, community is doing this so now we should uh this is should, like we'll find something in the halacha to well, I think that's part of the thing. You, yeah. you need to, there are ways that halacha is flexible as we interpret it, but there's a point where it breaks. Like there's a point where you can't bend it so far if you're still grounding stuff in the texts. Yeah. That... And I think like, it sounds like what Eliana's trying to argue is that, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is that Rav Chaim Levi is assuming that there is a communal standard that people would be otherwise consider themselves from, but would not really care about charging interest. And that's why we need this Heter Iska, so that people who would consider themselves Orthodox would be, we would be able to keep them within the fold as opposed to maybe we wouldn't make these sorts of Heterim for like Shabbos because people who don't want to keep Shabbos wouldn't wouldn't be reading Rav Chaim David Levy anyway. Like, is that is that what you're arguing? Um, I think so. Well, well, yeah, I, I think I understand what you're arguing, but I'm kind of asking like, how far can you take this? Like, let's say people oh. really legitimately they they want to be considered Orthodox Jews, they want to keep halacha, they they really there are a lot of things that they do keep. Let's say they do keep Shabbos and they do keep kashers, but then there's like you know it's a very uh, fun activity to to watch this particular sport where somebody gets murdered and like that's what they do for fun. That's what happened to buy Rishon. Yeah, and like they're not they don't they're mean really anything from. bad by it. They're Kobana. like maybe this person is like let's say let's just to say to like justify it somehow like this person let's say they're they're chronically ill and they're gonna die anyways. So they think like okay like the best way to like wow. and the person maybe themselves wants to do this sport let's say I don't know I'm just trying to make something up so. So everybody is like, yeah, like this is what they want to do anyways. And like, yeah, it's murder, but like maybe, you know, the Torah didn't imply this and it's just like, and I won't have any friends if I don't go to the sport game thing because like, that's just like what's considered fun in our society. So like, yeah, that's just like that one thing that I don't do is like, I don't, I don't care about murder, but like I care about other things. So, um, and then there like, might be ways, would that be okay? I mean, I'm just thinking it's, I mean, I'm, I guess you're kind of asking Eliana, but I'm stepping in. But okay. I, don't know. I guess what I'm thinking is like everything has to be tenable. And there might be ways that maybe you could argue that's tenable for the like chronically ill or critically ill person who's going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you could convincingly argue that like you can find that in the text anywhere yeah well, I you, you might you be find any proof for it in the text like you could like oh sorry 
Well, if you wanted to, you could find something. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, as someone who, I mean, obviously there's a lot of texts I haven't read, but a more grounded example, which, like, I think about homosexuality. Like, there are ways that I firmly feel there should be, well, first of all, just identifying as gay is not a problem. And then there are ways I feel like there's room for discussion within the halakha. But I think it also, there are ways I think it gets into the idea of, uh, there are a lot of things I'm putting on the table with this, but there's the, the context of society and how that informs the morality of the community at the time is, and that's a factor, but there's also, are, are there things that, certain leaders feel we shouldn't move on and or community community feels we shouldn't move on i can say like like i i don't know there are lots of things on the table and, and i think there's also i don't think you can prove any everything there's also the one one more thing i'll put out there's a certain i don't know how if peer review in the state and when that term really exists in halacha, but there still is like, you're, if you go to an extreme and you're just one person, one rabbi, one post you might be able to find a tenable position. But if nobody else goes with you, it doesn't matter still. I, I think it's hard. I get the hypothetical you're setting up, but I think and one person might be able to interpret it or interpret the text, but uh, the, just so I can argue with you afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like so about like being gay in Halakha. So I mean I've already I think they're going that direction. Like a lot yes. of a lot of very smart Talmud yes scholars and are no. talking about That's, how they can find sources to Yes and so, no. Like, it's a okay. I mean, it, they factor. haven't got there yet fully. Or like at least society hasn't. I don't think fully like accepted gay people. But I think that this is definitely something people try to attempt, and they have mm-hmm. found some sources. I mean, maybe a lot it of just, times, like like Ayn Tachad Ayn. Let's say right. Yeah. That's like an example of like something that's in the oral Torah that's considered a sin, but then the Gemara interprets it like a completely what? different way. What? I mean, the written Torah. The yeah right, and the written Torah it's one way. Right, like Ayn Tachad Ayn, but then like in the right, but in, oral Torah is different. So just because it's listening in the, the never interprets. I mean, I I understand where you're going. I mean, yeah, I'm not. The never you know, interprets I don't know all the sources <laughs> and what, but I'm just saying that like there, you can always interpret something. I mean, not always, but mm. th- th- it's possible to interpret things in the way that you can come in with your bias. Like you, if you're a good judge and you're a good like lawyer, let's say that's the whole point of being a lawyer. Like you can prove anything. Like. And that's like you could you're supposed to be able to prove like things from isn't that something that we learned in the Torah like you can only be accepted in a particular court if you know how to prove like all the different sides convincingly and win yeah. like that's the best type of lawyers that's what they know how to do that's their skill so that means if you know how to do that you can seemingly prove that like being a murderer adulterer um, you know what's other things like idol worshiper is actually 
what Hashem wants us to do. Um, not that we should do that, but I'm saying that it's possible to do that. I'm sure it's possible. I don't know. Maybe. I think that this discussion of what's possible and what's not might be beyond the scope of the okay, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I also think some, there, one last thing I'll say, which is so beyond the scope, but I'm playing but Rabbi Clapper's game and trying to have last word. Um, okay. I, I guess trying to argue all sides doesn't necessarily mean all sides. It's all, because some sides, might not exist, so to speak. Like there might not. Like, does that make sense? Like some, there's all tenable sides, and then there's just you can just throw an opinion out there, but it might not be defensible. And I think we should get back on top. Yes. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, but this is good. This is a good discussion. Yeah. And. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. Like, how far can we go? Um, and like, what are rabbis willing to allow? Um, I think, I don't know, I can't speak for him, but I think Rabbi Clapper brings up this topic a lot of like, yeah, like, what are the rabbis willing to allow? Like, they could allow more than um, what's like currently allowed. And there's a lot of reasons for why they don't do that, which include like policy. Like, you know, if this statement is made, then like, what about someone who will take this statement differently or something like that? Um, so, so yeah, we do deal with that. I guess, I guess it's like a fundamental, like uh, existential tension maybe. Um, and like, you know, trying to square that also with like, yeah, like we could allow all kinds of things holacically, but like, is it moral? Um, even if it's holacic, it's also a question like, I guess like a staple of SBM type of issue. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. So yeah, so like we, you know, kind of always grapple with that. Um, and then at the same time, while we deal with that, um, you know, and connecting back to the topic of like, at the end of the day, like, how do we categorize involvement in the Jewish community? And like, you know, am I, so we need to know, like, you know, who is possible Adis? So like, that's kind of a nice and important question. Um, and we need a definitive answer on that. Um, separately from like a theoretical question of, can we consider ourselves from Jews if we do X, Y, Z? Um, so Harav Chaim Grodzinski, um, he dealt with a Shaila um, on this topic um, where um, so briefly in um, there's a community where a lot of people were um, accustomed to being Mahalay Shabbos um, because they kept their stores open on Shabbat. Um, but at the same time, like they were very um, like connected to the community and lot of ways um and he was wondering if these people um can be valid adam um and we kind of like it's mafarash that mahalo shabbos bifarhesia is like a category of people that um are obviously like um kind of potentially held in doubt um on their like credibility um and for like various kinds of adas 
Um, so this uh, tshuva was kind of um, groundbreaking because what he concluded is that, um, so he was talking about a community in South Africa where um, it was common to keep um, stores open on Shabbat um, and everyone did that, um, including the most traditional members of the community, or at least like the specific subs that he was dealing with. Um, and they don't know that they're possible aid just because of this. Um, so like most of them are Mikhail Shabbos and don't realize like that's an identity issue as well as like an actual, you know, like behavioral issue or as, as in like, you know, it's not just like the action that's um, against the Torah according to halacha um, that they're like not aware of, but also it creates a status issue. Um, so they, um, and like, if the whole community is like that, um, then you also have the practical issue of like, how can Staros and Gittin and other like important things like that um, be like manifested if you can't get proper item um, and you need proper item. So basically he says that um, people, these specific people who, even though they're Michali Shabbos before Hesia, um, but for most other things, um, they like behave like Yisraeli uh, Mkshirim. Um, the fact that they're Michali Shabbos before Hesia by keeping their shops open on Shabbat doesn't invalidate um, their ability to be Edom. Um, and he also notes uh, like, you know, other factors in his, in the ability to make this decision is that like, um, and we do all kinds of things for that. So like, you know, this works as well. Um, but even with that aside, um, he talks about fundamentally the fact that these people um, don't know that they're postulatus um, and they're Mechali Shabbos, um, they still could be um, validated. Um, which is, which illustrates a lot of um, the identity aspect of um, being a Mechal Shabbos because like in a normal case, a person is Mechal Shabbos, but is someone who's like, you know, you assume is not logically credible because you assume that um, that makes them like a Mumarakal Torah. Um, so this uh, Shiva picks that assumption apart seemingly saying that um, like, wait, not so fast. Um, being a Mechal Shabbos before Hesse is not necessarily synonymous to being Mumarakal Torah. It just happens to be that they're, you know, like correlated in people who like kind of know what's happening. Um, but technically one can have an identity of being like, not necessarily Shomer Mitzvos, but like kind of, um, you know, like believing in God and things like that. Even while they break off and not knowing. Okay, I have um, two questions. Yeah. One, how does he justify that? <laughs> um, so he doesn't seem to have mm -hmm. a lot of arguments about this. Like he he talks a lot about like the um, Darius and Darabonin, um, like aspects of keeping like a store open on Travis because not exactly like going and planting a tree or whatever, um, or like actually doing. Like, um, um, but and then he talks about like how, um, for Egan, like, um, 
like you can find all kinds of loopholes. Um, so interestingly, he doesn't seem to dwell on the issue of um, how he decided that this category of people is going to be categories as he did. Um, but it seems like he, he just like redefines them um, based on their knowledge level of um, what actions make them puzzle. So if someone in this community went into a public square and took a match and struck it on Shabbos, that person would still be a puzzle aid? So I think what I think what he's saying is like so I really don't know because I think his like main kiddush is that like in that community like a lot of people were accustomed to not keeping Shabbos but still calling themselves traditional, um, and like if a common practice is to keep the stores open as he explicitly says like maybe like that my interpretation um, and you can tell me what you think my interpretation is like like that one action kind of, you know, absolves them of, um, or what it would be called, like, like that one action is like the one thing that's fine because everyone else does it and they don't think they're violating Shabbos by doing that. Um, before it was anything else, it depends how they understand being Shomer Shabbos to be. I mean, the letters here are really small, so I can't read it, but I mean, I'm just wondering, like, would he, if someone was, is he arguing that the only reason why these people are kosher le'edut is because it's only drabbanan to keep your stores open on Shabbos? Like, and if, and if, and if they were violated Shabbos in the Doraita, then they would be pasal le'edut. Or is, or is he saying that being mechal Shabbos doesn't necessarily make you pasal le'edus at all? It's only that, you know, in the Gemara's time, it was likely that that was true. Um, I think he's saying both. Or at least like when I read it before, when the script was larger, I thought I understood both. Um, it looks like Rebecca is going to say something. No, I'm just I'm just trying to read it while you're talking. <laughs> well, I also have a question that might be important in understanding it. Is, is it that they're able to be Tusser Adim or able to be Tusser Adim for this community? Because it could be for the community. Or no, wait, no. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Yeah. If it's I would assume for everyone. That, like, in this community, they can trust each other because they're all on this same level. That's a very different thing than allowing them to be Aiden in general, I, I think. Um, right. I think what he's saying is more like on a general level that um, being them them being Michal Shabbos in a very specific way they're used to doing it um, while still considering themselves like you know like observant um, that kind of is like a blanket like um, allowance for them to still be considered like not Mumarn. Lundishly, you know, being country for getting is not about trust. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's a formal, it's a formal status issue. Okay. So this is what I'm wondering. Yeah. It's Eddie Kim. Um, so I'm just, what, what section are we reading here? The whole, the um, whole um, yeah. 
So, I mean, there, there's an earlier trip of the Binyansium, but he doesn't, right? He doesn't, Binyansium has, has a, um, right, you, read, you, you already read the Binyansium together, didn't you? Or is that later on the Makaros? No, no, no. Um, there's a, that's later on. That's later on. Okay, so you're going to get to the Binyansium, right? Because he has a very different rationale. Yeah. Even though he's earlier. Uh, yeah. So where, would, where, where do you think, where do you think in this text that the core, the core of his argument is? Oh, right. there's, a, there's a quote of the Um, all right, so he says, She came into Hurgalubikach, the Rubam Kikulam Kane, Lomashlum Meluhu Easter Ptiha Kania Bishabis, a Vehavi Kikosha Umatir. Um, so what does he mean, Vehavi Kikosha Umatir? And nobody thinks that Kosher Umatir are Malachos either. Nobody thinks that. So we never puzzle anybody just for tying knots on Shabbos? Yeah. Um, so any question being in Sino, you said Sino Shunishba. How did the Kikosha Matra Omar Mutter? Am I reading? Wow, I wonder if that's a major title. Typo, I wonder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That would be a major title. Kikosha Kama Umatir. Oh, he plays the, the, the game that everyone plays that um, that if that Soldier Rabbanan requires a Beit to make an announcement, so as long as you avoid making an announcement, you can't have any children Rabbanan. Um, but does he ever explain why why Derai is so different other than he said that people don't think it's Usser? I think that's that's I think that's his I think his fundamental argument is that Omar, Omar Mutter is not proselytus. Uh, is that what? Uh, if you think it's mutter, genuinely you think it's mutter, so then you're not pasolatus. So th- th- I think the big move is to extend that to to people who understand it's asur, but not really. Uh, right? It, this is halakha, but no right. It's halakha, but no one does it. Oh, where does the omar mutter come, thing come from? Everyone does it. No, no, no. Like where's that's the, the gemara. That's in the gemara. Yeah. That's the Gemara. Uh, wait. Uh, Actually, that, that's not so st- dissimilar from Tino Shemishma. It's like, yeah, like they really did know about Torah, but whatever. It's like they didn't know. Uh, I think it's more like they're making. So it's, the problem is that Tino Shemishma, the way we use it, is already the transformed category. All right, Tino Shemishma is somebody who can't be, I mean, that's probably very expensive. It's very hard to disentangle the original Tzidakshin Ishbah and figure out like, what was it really about the Tzidakshin because we have, we have so expanded the category. Um, so I don't, um, so I don't know, but I think that's, I think that's his fundamental. I think there may be two, one argument may be that on a Darabalan level, it certainly requires a Beitin to apostle and there's no Beitin there and they're not doing it intentionally, they're not doing it intentionally in the sense we usually do it, so you can't do that. And then he fudges on the Deraisa level, whether if it was really a Melecha Deraisa, would you require that kind of Akhraza? Yeah, I don't know, I have to read it more closely to disentangle those arguments. But I think there's a, a muddle of those arguments. Um, I'd have to read more closely. What I was trying to say is, to me, the really interesting thing about this Shiva, which, I, you know, which is, shows up in a bunch of areas, is it's impossible, it's impossible to think of a from it's impossible to paskin for a from community that they can't have, for a community that wants to be loyal to Torah, that all their kids are there. Yeah. 
right? which is what happens if you apostle the Molfredos. Right? Is that right? Is that, is that all the kids are right? At least all you know, all the kids are divorced. Oh, divorces are there. They're going to be a lot of divorces over time. Now, this is the right. The other case we had this scenario where people claim this about the um, about the about the um, called Stukim. Is that what we're talking about? The Karayim. And then people also wanted to claim it about the um, about the Ethiopians. Hmm. This is, it's very easy to run Kasher Kedushin. It's very hard to run Kasher Gittin. Hmm. Uh, right. So, so right. So it's very easy to construct a letter of the law society in which the Kedushin are valid. And the and the getting their puzzle, uh, sort of Hank yeah. essentially did that for America, uh, without right because people use civil divorce as a get. So if you hold the civil marriage, if you hold the civil marriage condition, and the civil getting are not or uh, civil divorces are not getting, so then you have a society. So I think that's yeah, that to me is you know is one really interesting thing about how you can whether there's a rule that you can't. There's a rule that you can't construct that kind of society. At least, sort of thinking, you can say, like, the people aren't being traditional, so tough, uh, right? It was for the for the Ethiopians. It was really, really hard because mm-hmm. what you were doing was blaming them for not having heard about rabbinic halacha, right? right? So that I think everyone understood was a deeply problematic issue. You could only, which you could resolve it by requiring gear, but that had its own mm-hmm. uh, that had its own issues. Um, in the Quran, you had to fight about whether you should declare them sectarian or not. But within orthodoxy, right? That's what I'm saying. Within orthodoxy, the people who are loyal to tradition, the people who identify with your community and whom you identify as members of your community, to say that we are constructing a society for you, members of our community, in which divorce is impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, without, yeah. right? That, that I think is the, I guess I, w- I would probably try to argue again without having done this uh, well enough. That that's, that's what really, that the driver of this triva is just how could that be? Right, you have a society of people. They're not, you know, they're not shomer. That shomer, they're not, they're not. They are not practically shomer Torah mitzvahs, but they're ne'emane Torah. Mm-hmm. And how could we possibly say that we that we gave him no solution? Um, so you know, he would tell you the What he'd probably do is he'd send three from people there to set up a beit in, yeah. and right, and try and control Gittin. But if he hadn't done that, and now you're, you're thirty years later, and right, this community's been there that long. So right. the possible all to get in the community is really really hard, and you need to find a way. Um, you need to find a way around right. that. But I, I have to read more closely to figure out if is um, is. I also have to figure out if that's a typo or not. So what Eliana's trying to show is how, when we consider people part of orthodoxy, we bend over backwards to try to find a term for them, as opposed to if we just said these people aren't orthodox, we don't care about them, then we wouldn't bother. So where I guess where, where I'm pushing, um, and I was supposed to run a series on this, and I hope I still will. Um, if you're interested, there is a, a there's an audio and a, and a transcript of the conversation I ran with uh, Rabbi Francis Natap about this. As a model, it was it's supposed to be a series with lots of people in the community. My question is, who's the constituency of halacha? Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine only Orthodox people are constituency of halacha. And then the question is, is the way Eliana frames it is right: is who is are you Orthodox? Mm-hmm. Or you could imagine that you know the saying that the constituency of halacha is not defined by denomination. Um, you could say. Sorry, you, Rabbi Klapa, what do you mean by constituents? When you try and think of who who halacha, who the people who decide halacha are responsible to. 
And I think that I think that that's my you know I, I'm not sure it helped if I use stakeholders as a as a like who was included in the concerns. Well, we say we don't want to make a gazera that the right, excellent example. By. Excellent example, right? Gazera shayner of a tzibur yachol amod bo. Right? Who do we? Right? Who is the tzibur? <laughs> who we are? Right? Who uh, who is yachol amod? That's an excellent. Uh, we say a Torah chasal amun on shal Yisrael. Right? So right? Who is Yisrael? Who is whose moment? Whose moment we're choshesh for? Um, yeah, I think that right. So, I, so, so I, one of my one, one of my hobby horses is the notion that in America, postgim should and in Israel, postgim should consider everyone who doesn't actively define themselves out of the community. Like the halacha is responsible, should be responsible to the whole Jewish community, and not just the Orthodox community. But that I think is controversial, right? And Eliana yeah. is entirely right that there are lots of postgim. Who think their responsibility is the entire Orthodox community, um, and not so much beyond that, at least not in the same way. And I think that's not unfair. Uh, I just think the question is where you draw the boundary. And then I think you know a big challenge is is um, is retrospection. Mm -hmm. I was talking about that with one of my colleagues this morning. What happens if we have retroactively? It's a similar case, right? Where many conversions, many Orthodox conversions in the United States were done by rabbis of mixed seating shuls, mm. which, which are now defined out of Orthodoxy, but which were Orthodox then. Mm. And so now you have major organizations that will retroactively invalidate those rabbis for ages, even though at the time they were members of the RCA. And nobody thought it was invalidates, right? So that's that, that's like you know that's the thing which I think we can all sort of get that shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, it's not universal. Um, but what happens? Like, but then the question is: though, Do we think that Garus has to happen? We think that Garus has to be possible in those communities. So then we have to right. So then even at the time, right? If we had, right, at the communities, you'd have to say that, or you could say no. But you know what? If you choose to live in a community where no one's Shemar Shabbos, well, guess what? We can't have gear in communities that aren't Shemar Shabbos. Mm -hmm. Um, right, what, you know, but I think that I think those I think those questions are entirely right, and I'm I'm grateful to Leanna for for bringing it up those up. Right, I think those questions are entirely right. Um, that um, yeah, I, did, I think I said earlier this year. Like my position is that contemporary psak has to take achrayos for the actions of everybody whom the community we see ourselves as an organic continuation of, mm -hmm. right? Considered part of it when the action happens. And so if that rabbi was considered part of the Orthodox community at the time he did it, it doesn't matter to me what we would think of his actions now. What matters is to me is, is do we consider ourselves an organic continue, continuation of that community? Now, if we don't, so okay, then we have other, then there are certain privileges we should give up too. That is my take. But if we right, but if we want to continue the name Orthodoxy and we want to say we are the Orthodoxy, which has a continuous tradition, not we are a new a, a new denomination responsive to modernity in a different way. Um, then right, but we're part of the Masoret, so then we have to take advantage of the take responsibility for what the Masoret was then. Um, so I, I'm sure if that's the right analysis of Rechaim Moser, that he just thinks that you know that they're they're an Orthodox community, and can, human beings require divorce, and we can't allow an Orthodox community to exist where divorce is impossible. Um, but what if he's saying that like rather than like oh we are Orthodox and therefore X Y Z like he might just be saying like kind of on a more conservative read that like perhaps like using the definition of orthodox every time is a misnomer especially in certain you know like cultures that you know like specifically some non-ashkenazi cultures and then even sociologically like 
you know, there are other cultures that um, like orthodoxy isn't even like, you know, like a term the way that a lot of people define it. And therefore he doesn't even care about those things, but rather wants to know the very technical issue. Like, can someone be puzzled based on something? Um, or like, can people be name on him? And I think like for every issue, it seems like there's a different like type of solution. Like Nehmanis might be a larger, you know, or smaller category than like being puzzled. Cause like the standards for ADAS is like, you need like three people to be perfect versus the standards for Nehmanis is like, you need a hundred people to be like reasonably trustworthy. Like just different issues have like different needs and values. So I think that's, I think, yeah, I could concede that issue generally. And I can also, I can, and I can also, you know, I think that you're entirely right that a really, that a post-seg is properly sensitive to the way certain categories don't cross boundaries like orthodoxy and, and Svartim, mm -hmm. right? That's a fair, that's a fair issue, right? That orthodoxy is not, is not the boundary among Svartim, um, that, mm -hmm. right? That it is among Ashkenazim. At the same time, I think that Nehmanis for ages is Nehmanis for Well, so I guess here we should be lumdish, right? So there we have you have Adi you have Adi Kiem and um, and Adi Birer, right? Adi Birer are our credibility witnesses, right? Where we care about where we care about what, whether what they say is true, and Adi Kiem are um, formal witnesses where all that matters is they were there. I don't have to believe. We don't have to believe them. We just have to. We just have to think it matters that they were there. Uh, now it's hard to say that people are kosher for Adikiyam. Like the the wedding happened because the two of you were there, but we don't believe you when you say the wedding happened. Right? That's very hard to say. Yeah. Um, but in practice, I think that is. I think I think that we do in America often is the reverse. Right? In America, we say that many people are kosher as any bureau if they tell us we believe that they're telling us the truth and we still wouldn't pick them as witnesses at weddings um, because we see that as an honor as opposed to as a credibility yeah uh, so i think that's a sustainable position i guess I, my, my 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 instinct would be that if he had his brothers right if it were somewhere else right let's let's suppose right let's suppose it was the middle of vilna and the middle of vilna shul opened that called itself the South African shul, which meant not that people came from South Africa, but that they kept their stores open on Shabbos. Mm -hmm. I think Rechaim Moser would probably, you know, say, would probably have, you know, it happily signed public declarations declaring they were Apostle Legis. Um, if there had been a Bezdin of Shomer Shabbos, in South Africa, that was capable of sustaining itself, Without, um, right, without, uh, without relying on people who kept their stores open on Shabbos, I suspect you would also have been happy to puzzle the non-Shomer Shabbos um, bezin. That's my suspicion. Um, mm -hmm. I think the issues are more the marginal questions, like what happens if the alternative to having a bait in your town is that everybody has to fly to New York to get a get. It's not impossible. Mm -hmm. It just lowers the odds of people getting getting a great deal. Yeah. And there's going to be a local competitor. So what do you do? That's my take. Is that it's unlikely to be just a, in a, a you know, like I don't think does his language imply that he's just going through a dispassionate analysis, or it's right. I think you brought up that he says, look, the alternative is there are no getting. Mm. That would be my bet, but I haven't read it closely enough. Uh, it's a long trip, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to do it justice. 
Uh, I was doing it particularly in a state of somewhat ex exhaustion. Uh, okay, sorry for sorry for interrupting, Ilya. <laughs> no, that was really good. I'm really glad that you took that uh, turn. We um, and we benefited a lot from like that, um, like you know, analysis as well. Um, yeah, so this actually is like very similar to the remark was basically like, yeah, like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really have Chacham here who can like be valid Dayan and but we don't have a choice. So we'll make a bait Dean of people who are not so knowledgeable. Like, yeah, like we also need get in like the Arcalos, like maybe they can deal with like monetary Momono stuff, like, you know, Havamina, but like there's no way they can deal with like getting in. You know, like marital stuff. So, like, it's not even question. Um, so, I guess that's like a fundamental issue that we see coming up. Um, yeah. So the next, uh, the next chuva basically deals with a very similar kind of situation. Um, takes a bit of a different turn. Um, so uh, we're talking again about people who um, violate Shabbos in public. Um, so, like. Um, is that equal to um, them denying the entire Torah um, and therefore being like idol worshippers? Um, and then here we're talking about um, like wine um, and what makes their um, like yain not kosher. Um, so first we talk about the Karaites, um, who like even the Marshal says that um, Karaites don't cause uh, wine to be usher. Um, and the issue isn't because they're Michal Shabbos, but um, uh, he just uh, like thinks that they like violate or that they like do Yom Tov, Yom Tov differently because um, they like have different calendar and stuff. Um, so like, yeah, they're also like partial, like not fully halakhically observant the way that most mainstream communities consider one to be um, or that one should be. Um, but regarding Shabbos, like it's kind of the opposite situation. Like they are, you know, normative. Um, so like, you know, the equation between like modos and Shabbos, like isn't really there. Um, so like, you know, is there an equation or not? Um, just because you're Makala Moad doesn't mean you're Makala Shabbos. But if you're really Makala Shabbos, then you're Mumar for the whole Torah. So that kind of sets up like a interesting potential binary. Um, so, then it goes on to talk about how um, you're going to say that um, the decree of Yainesek, um, if it's about like a broader fear of um, like intermarrying and stuff, um, then Mahalo Shabbos isn't even a relevant topic um, necessarily, like intrinsically. Um, so, like, again, this points to like the paradox that um, people have brought up about. Um, the previous source um, of Harav Chaimelzer, where um, is the issue that they're Mechalei um, Shabbos because, um, like, that's equated with not being halakhically observant, or is that like an intrinsic um, issue that like we can't get across? Um, Yeah, so, um, so back to our chuva here. Um, 
so someone who worships uh, Kochavim, as long as they're Jewish, um, you can have their wine. So, um, so you have to say what the Ron says in his Kedushim, just like the Numuk Yosef says. Um, so if they're like a non-Jew, there's, um, there's a rule that um, a person who um, does a bizarre street like a non-Jew, so if you're allowed to marry, so, um, so even if you're allowed to marry their daughter, so then someone who violates shops in public, um, you can't drink their wine, even though they are allowed to marry the daughter. So it's like um, the perils are a bit different here. Um, so we so back to our like actual question. So how do you consider someone who's Bakal Shabbos Bakrasia um, with regard to wine? Um, so um, how do you like rule about people in our time? Um, so the conclusion that I thought it seems is that um, nowadays the people who are Mikhail Shabbos is only Karvel Mazid. Um, so drawing distinction between being Mikhail Shabbos on purpose um, versus like thinking it's Mutter. Um, so like similar to the people who own the shops that like literally thought that like they were fully observant Jews like and that only or, or being having shops open on Shabbat wasn't an issue at all for Shabbos. Um, so according to here, um, thinking that certain things are Mutter on Shabbos is Karavlamezid for a lot of modern people who don't um, observe Shabbos traditionally. Um, and cause like today, um, kind of coming back to like a really, you know, common point, there are a lot of people who um, like say Kiddush and like violate Shabbos Dereta. Um, mm. And you know, they might go to davening, like they might go to like reform and um, conservative, you know, those designations like in America Shoals or, you know, more commonly non-denominational um, practices, like, cause we're, so, we're sort of moving away from like all the categories nowadays um, that we used to have. Um, so then like, again, for like a practical, like, um, you know, what my say issue, like, what do we do there? Um, so, Hill, uh, I guess, maybe. What? So are you talking about someone saying Kiddush for a group of people and that's where an issue could be? Or I'm trying to, what's the specific issue you're focusing on? Um, I'm sort of now just looking at his logic of like the fact that someone could be carved amazing and like the kind of contradictory situation where they are Michal Shabbos, but still do a lot of like Jewish e things on Shabbat. So they're like aware that Shabbat exists, um, but they still violate Shabbos Derisa. Um, like what, what do you put them in? Um, so, cause like if you actually deny Shabbos, they're kofir, um, but this person like still, you know, Davins and stuff on Shabbat. Um, so you can't consider him a moral call Torah. So, but then what about his kids and like, um, you know, are they Tino Kishanishba? Like, it's a whole different um, thing. Like, he's not called Tino Kishanishba, but his kids are. That was interesting to me. Um, for, for practical purposes. Yeah. Nafkaminas here are in Kashrila Edut. Yeah. Nesach, I guess. Yeah. Like, what, what other ones do we have that matters whether you're Shomer Torah or not? Um, so these are the ones that come to mind. I'm sure there are more. Um, what exactly is Yain Nesef? 
Well, some of them were, right? It's wine. Wait, wine, what? Wine, you, you can't drink wine in someone's edges. Right, oh, right. right. I know that. But then, so some, Yanisev is really wine dedicated to Lazarus. Some of them is okay. one on the equivalent, which is not presumed to really to Okay, got it. Um, I think, I, I, am I wrong? I thought the I thought the reason he mentions Kiddush specifically is because the ground of passing a Shomer Shabbos, of the Chalal Shabbos, is that you obviously deny creation. Mm. And the problem is how you claim people denying creation when you get up and you say, and you say that religiously. Um, right? So what do we do with somebody who we're giving them the status because of their actions means that we have to deny the things they say and it's not obvious they don't mean it mm-hmm. right they, what they're what what they're what we're missing is what they're missing is the connection between the belief and the act and, and the halacha so the claim that the halacha stands for a lack of belief when they don't see the connection right okay uh, right yeah there are absurdities you know like saying you know i i, I believe i believe in monotheism i just don't know this is a false god right yeah, so we obviously they're going to be they're going to be you know absurdities at the end of it but i think that's his I think the, the world he's living in is mm-hmm. trying to figure out like what does it mean when people make claims like that, and and you know you end up you know if you were a big streamer end up like being with you know you're in a, in a sort of you know for every single kind of Christian situation when people affirm contradictions, mm-hmm. right? How could you possibly say Shabbat and then not keep Shabbat and but they just don't see the connection. Because mm-hmm. they, 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 they keep certain things of shop, they right. just don't keep other things. Yeah. Right. So that's right. I think that's like his argument is that this is an unprecedented situation where people arrogate to themselves the right to decide how to how to commemorate the existence of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So like he's like grappling also like with the issue of. Um, like people don't realize the problematic aspect of um, their own like self contradictory adherence to Shabbat and the way they do it. Um, I have to say I am more um, I am more cynical about this nowadays. If that were the rationale, uh, I would always I always oppose joint Havdalah as a whole on the mm. grounds that Havdalah has to actually mark a separation. Ah. And if and if people were doing Malachal all Shabbos. Mm-hmm. So you're cheapening your havdalah by yeah. sharing with people who didn't right, who, who didn't do anything different on Shabbos. Um, so I was always very you know that I was always resistant to joint havdalahs mm-hmm. as opposed to joint kiddush maybe, uh, but joint havdalahs always always bothered me. Uh, they turned havdalah into. Yeah, I, I was also I remember the shadow we read yesterday many years ago was uh, about being a hill events coordinator and setting out which requires you to set out candles for the one of the Miyanim to light after Shabbos starts. Mm-hmm. Right, which is might be a major lift neighbor, right? So, yeah. Right. So I have problems. I have problems on that end, but there at least I understand what the symbol is. But I'm not sure what Havdalah means. If you haven't done anything, if you have, if you haven't done anything different. Right. I mean, you could argue that that's not the only reason to do Havdalah. But, uh, that's a larger discussion about Havdalah. Yeah. Uh, in general, there's I... also uh, there's also just I even without a joint Havdalah. I mean, I guess if you're having one person say for everybody, maybe, but there, there were times, because there were times where uh, there were people who identified as Orthodox and... I don't know, Hal Shabbos also. This yeah. Is, 
This no, is true. It, According to the Rambam, Havdalah is another expression of Kiddush. Yeah. But uh, I think there's a point where if you already have that issue, the joy of Dell is not the problem. Um, so, <laughs> I'd argue that. Joy of Dell is not... The, it, it's not that it was the problem. It just it felt to me like the wrong... Mm-hmm. The wrong thing to do because it was one of the places where doing joint ritual was cheapening one ritual as opposed to yeah. expressing commonality. But it was always a very, a very unpopular position. <laughs> I uh, think if it's already cheapened, and... if, you had, if you had a totally non-from Orthodox community, uh, but at least at least then you understood what you were saying, right? But if you had, yeah. but if you share Hadala with, with a community that explicitly limits Shabbos to Friday night, mm-hmm. so the Hadala was okay. not. So Abdullah was not right. right. The Abdullah happened, you know, when he woke up for breakfast, whatever it may be. But yeah. it could be that was uncharitable of me. Well, also, like halakhically, um, do I'm just curious, like, do we say yeah. that these days, like mm-hmm. halakhically, as we understand, like yeah. uh, the mainstream halakha of today? Yeah. Um, can somebody do kiddush for you or Abdullah for you that doesn't keep Shabbos, but let's say they keep kosher and they keep uh, something else? Generally, it's very hard. You know, we I think we're mostly um, very lenient about who can be Yotzi, who can be Motsi, who can say you can't be. <laughs> right? What? They're still Chayev, right? So generally, it's pretty. Yeah, I was always yeah. wondering about that because, like, I'm yeah. just curious. Unless it comes to women, women can say it. That's a whole other discussion. No, I mean, yeah, I could like yeah, I could say it for myself. Or like, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a like, but let's say you're at somebody's house you, for Shabbos, and they don't keep Shabbos, but they keep, but they make it a so they're making it for you. And is right, it, it's pretty rude issue. to like leave and be like, right. ah, like let's say as a woman, like people might suspect, why are you making your own kiddish? Like, what you don't like my kiddish? Like, yeah. I was just saying, um, like let's say I was saying a case, like you're at somebody's house for Shabbos, but they don't, you know, they don't keep Shabbos. But they make kiddish. They, they make kiddish. I mean, they keep some parts of Shabbos. They just don't fully keep Shabbos. So then, as a woman's like, oh, I want to make my own kiddish, you know, let's say. And they might suspect, like, what's the reason that you want to do that? Because maybe you don't like their kiddish or something. Yeah, well, it's not right. mainstream. So that but I was just mm-hmm. wondering. So you don't, you're allowed to basically rely on that. I, 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 you know, I, I ran a hill. I was very mocked on that, that, you know, not always successfully. There were, mm-hmm. only, there were only groups of students, the Orthodox students who broke off and made, yeah. and made their own kiddush. You know, that part of it was, it was because sometimes women made the other kiddush, but part of it was just trying to make a statement. And there were, uh, I, I think, you know, I think we, there's a, there's a, um, there's a Moshe, which mm-hmm. um, seems to suggest that um, non-Orthodox that really non from people can't make brachos. And right, you know, he's talking about, he's talking about brachos at Torah. And that came up because the Hill director of Brandeis used to demand an aliyah at the Orthodox Union every year. And that got one of my predecessors fired and it was a really big issue uh, every year. Because mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like he came in, like it was, it was clear, right? It was pretty much a firing offense if you didn't give him the aliyah. And then there was this Rav Moshe. So we can talk about the Shiloh at great length off the record. But one of my, what, what, another of my predecessors asked the question to her first case in front of the Prophet, who said, his response was, if he eats an apple, are you going to tell him not to make an ace first? Oh. <laughs> you really hold that his brachas don't count as anything, right? That's, that's the logical result, saying that, you know, that you'd be better off not making brachas before you eat. And if you think that you're better off making brachas before you eat, then you can't claim that their brachas doesn't relate to the right God, and therefore, right, and therefore is a brachal about Allah. Uh, and that was an interesting response. Uh, that was, that was you know, a very common sense response. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I taught a Chabura for a group of rabbis two years ago about right, all going through all the, all the chubas about that question, about whether 
But I think generally we assume without, and even Sunday, the, the Chabad Rabbi at um, Cornell, uh, who holds that, 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 um, that Mechal Shabbos are, uh, as far as I know, or it did at least, Mechal Shabbos creates Samenam, but also held that everybody eating a Shabbos meal at his house was Shomer Shabbos during the meal. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you don't know, maybe they did too. Uh, right, right. Well, there's house for, right? What could be a better expression of Shabbos than eating lunch at the Flat Rabbi's house, right? So that was the, uh, right? So that was, that, I thought that was, that was, uh, that was one of the early creative sake I had bet that I was very fond of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if we're saying that the only nafkaminas that we can think of, I mean, it could be there's more that we haven't mentioned, are whether there can be a kosher aid and whether it's taminam, you could conceivably argue that like these are narrow categories confined to those areas of halacha that we need to define and doesn't affect their identity as a Jew. Well, we could say like, the, you know, the easy thing is we're in Vilobalim. <laughs> right, like, there are lots of halachas about it being a mummer, right, or a min that you know that, that we we do all sorts right. of nasty things to them. We just don't consider those nowadays. Like we think the chazanish has limited them, but in theory they have. Uh, they, in theory they have. They do have. You know, being considered a min has pretty serious implications or mummer. So I'm not sure it's that limited. I seem to find that as a separate category. Right, well, as long as you haven't gotten to that point. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think that's an artificial distinction we've made by just getting. We, I think like that was an afghanistan we found another way to get rid of, it. Um, and, and practically we didn't have that, that the option of doing this. So the afghanistan that mattered to us were wine and were wine were wine and adus. Um, mm. But let's say you know many there was a whole question like do you give them uh, do you give an aliyah right? So there are there are mm. there are, there are shuls that won't give aliyah to machalik Jabbas. because their brachas don't count. Or yeah, because Moshe Paskin's that way. Why is Ramush Pasan that way? Can we reverse his shiva? Can we reverse his shiva? Now, would Ramush have passed him that way in practice for most people? Probably not. But did he, does he have a shiva which he actually says that? Yes, he has a shiva which he actually says that. So you could have lots of nafkaminas, right? If you really we go into the Gemara, talks about, you know, if you hear a bracha that it means sin, right? You don't say amen. So I think he could have had a lot more. I think he could have had a lot more. Uh, I think that. I think we largely accept that on that there has been a there has been a real paradigm shift. The question is what the paradigm shift is. You have the narrow Binyan paradigm shift that their actions don't mean the same thing they used to, or do you have the radical paradigm shift, the Chazanish, that we don't live in a world in which those categories apply because like because we're not that our relationship to ritual is different, but our relationship to God is different. Mm. Right? Without Hashkacha. Without like reward, reward and punishment, so just all sorts of things just don't. Right? Without the imminence of God, all sorts of things don't make sense. Uh, now, to do that, Chazan has to make some really odd assumptions about history. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really odd assumptions about history. Pranav, what do you want to say? Um, so that, but I, that would be my, that would be my, my inclination would be that we that you know that we have uh, there's certain things that we just can't even consider. Uh, like you know, we only consider applying certain formal things to people, and nobody really wants to go back to very little mal in. Nobody thinks there's a plausible, a plausible category about American non-Orthodox Jews. Uh, <laughs> whereas, let's say, possibly Ravigra Miller did. And if you read Rabbi Miller's, uh, Miller's things, you might very well think that you know, think that that was a uh, that was a plausible, that was a plausible outcome. Um, yeah, I think that's where I think that's where I would go. That we, it's just obvious to us 
Now, whether you know you could argue, you could critique us, right? You could critique this obvious system. We're just too comfortable, and we're not willing to do the hard work of hitting people. Uh, <laughs> or like, oh, I, I, I know a few people like that who want to do the hard work of hitting people. Who wants to do the hard work of hitting people? But is it right? And you know, write critiques, right? You know, write mm -hmm. critiques. That the problem, and then there are, there are benign versions of that, which is you know, right there, Soloveitchik. Uh, right, who enjoys writing things like The Virtue of Hate. I think it's his most the column that first made him famous. Uh, which he wrote for First Things, right, for a Catholic journal. Oh, yeah, no. they show, like, where Judaism is different. Oh, dear. <laughs> we believe in hate. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <It's not> <laughs> no, it's very interesting. You know, but I think we have a hard time where Lamb's claim that, you know, that not all forms of hate exclude love. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, Lamb is fond of saying you can, you know, you can have a fear towards somebody towards. Uh, that would be my take that we just like we're just not willing to entertain the possibility that we have a chiv to hate fellow Jews. Mm -hmm. And that may be particularly hard in the post-Holocaust era. Uh, right? We say all sorts of ridiculous things theologically in the aftermath of the Holocaust because we say things like we say things like, well, if Hitler thought right, Hitler, Hitler would have killed them, so how can we possibly deny the identity of these Jews? Now, that is not a very good halachic argument. And I know people are still called like kapos and other things. Right, so it's true. Like, Hitler, Hitler killed Catholic nuns who had Jewish ancestry. Like, famously, I don't think anyone really wants to treat those people completely the same way that we treat non Jews. Well, that's you get to the Brother Daniel case, right? And Cardinal Lustige, uh, which some which is dealt with in, uh, <laughs> in the last essay in Professor Wishbone's book, is a really fascinating essay uh, about that about that issue. Ravon is a wonderful book. Right, Ravon is a brother. We argue that Brother Daniel doesn't get citizenship. But like clearly, we understand that there's a difference there that is meaningful. Yeah, I think that yeah, uh, Jacob's point is really right. That when we want to hate people, mm -hmm. what we do is we turn them into Nazis. Yep. Because we can't hate people the Nazis hated. Right? Because that that would be that would be a you know a violation of, of our fundamental ethics that we are committed to supporting everyone who Hitler would have right away. Hitler hated is the only thing we can do, right? Yeah, you know, so we run into a Godwin's law type version. This is the foundation of ethics in the modern world. <laughs> like Nazis equal bad, people Nazis hated equal good. Well, you know, there's a different formulation, which was yeah, Falkenheim's 614th commandment was not was not to give uh, Hitler a posthumous victory. And Falkenheim uh, mm. himself moves off that in a, in a debate with Wiesel that is worth reading, uh, where Wiesel said, no, there has to be a reason beyond existence for existence. Um, mm. you, we can't justify this. But I think that, I think that you know, we could talk about whether it's a natural thing or whether it's a constructed, uh, a deliberately constructed ideology um, by a number of, of American thinkers, mostly not Orthodox. Um, I suspect that I would come down on the second side that it's a very consciously constructed ideology. Uh, and that as uh, Elie Wiesel said to um, a number of people, right? It's, a, you know, it's one of the, one of the, it's Greenberg said that the way the test of Holocaust theology is whether you could say it to a kid being thrown at the ovens at Auschwitz. And Elie Wiesel said that the test, Holocaust, one of the tests of Holocaust theology is whether any current survivor will lose it. Hmm. And if you have a theology that makes you feel good, but it doesn't make any of the actual survivors feel, right? You know, he, there's this critique of um, 
of the Rubicine's death of God thesis, among others. I think it was ready. They said that the survivors on the whole were believers. And so mm -hmm. you'd claim that, right, it was a pretty good experiment, also, you'd claim that, that you'd, you'd claim that Auschwitz broke the covenant when I was at Auschwitz. I don't think God broke the covenant, but you think it's obvious that God broke the covenant. Well, I was there. I didn't see it right yet. <laughs> uh, right? So that, I think that's a very interesting test, right? You know, against like the, the, Different kind, different kinds of razzle dazzle, right? You know, think, think of, think of a kid being killed. Think of, think of someone who survived. And who's your test case as to whether the theology works? That's a, I think that's a, that's a cool, um, cool is the wrong word, but like that's, a, yeah. that's a, like, <laughs> it's a little too dramatic. I like, but I, I could see it working in a, in a TED talk. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that's probably, I think probably that the. The paradigm that prevents American Jews from thinking that these categories apply to their fellow Jews is that there's some notion of, of Holocaust that uh, binds us together. And I think part of the reason that our community is splintering in you know, perhaps even more dramatic ways is the, the absence of survivors. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so uh, easy solution befriend the Russian Jews because they also had a very terrible history. And then it'll be like, oh, like, yeah, I guess not everybody said. That would help. Right. Like you're a Jew, regardless, because in the Soviet Union, whether or not you kept the Torah, like you yeah. were still like. Except not everyone's Russian. That's true. But, like <laughs> not everybody's. Not everybody was a European. Not everybody's Jewish, either. Right? Yeah, it, it might work. Yeah, yeah. it might work. It's just uh, like an option. Um, I just want to. My comment from before is. Um, yeah. Was basically like I have a tendency to also like think and like sort of. Um, yeah, sort of similar to my comment before is that. Let's say there is a situation where there's like a person who keeps Shabbos, but they're basically like, they yell at people, they swear at people, they intimidate people, you know, potentially they're abu an abusive person as bad well, people. like physically abusive to people. I don't know. I'm just getting like, right. really bad. Whatever, like a very bad person, right? Yeah, but they keep Shabbos. What? And they keep, yeah, they keep, what? Well, yeah, they keep, I mean, they keep, what did you say? So they, they're violating lots of halakha. Yeah, they they don't they don't keep the halacha of loving your fellow Jew. Right. They don't keep the halacha of not shaming people publicly. Um, you know what other things are they violating? I don't know if like speaking badly is a type of thing. Yeah, that's like that's the whole thing of like um, you could be like Shomer Shabbos, but charge people ribbit um, when you should not. And like that's kind of like why I brought in that source, which is to say like. Um, it, it really is an issue to consider like someone like from and still be like a huge violator of that thing, which is why we have Heter and like, you know, not that we like will produce that solution for every other like issue, but like that is like an illustration that like, you're right. Like, you know, someone who like is abusive is, you know, politically problematic and like, but yeah, you can know. we keep, can we, you know, like listen to their Kiddush and be like, you say their Kiddush or can we like, uh, you know, hmm. yeah, treat the trust their kosher, let's say. Yeah, um, well, I know because my rabbi talks about kosher a lot, there are actually certain rabbis before him who have talked about how does kosher require, like, is it just about, like, following the whole law, or does it have to be ethically performed? That's a different question. Whether the kosher has to be there. Right? The question is whether ah. right, the question we're talking about is what what communal price should you pay hmm. for being an unethical but loyal communal member? Right. 
or even like who's like ecologically solid like, like what unethical like isn't that a form of breaking halacha to right. yeah no that's, that's what i'm saying like they're right so i don't ask shiles too because i don't like feel comfortable with them as jews at the level that i think rabbi should be because of their like some ethical types of things that show me like and i think that like in the ideal world like we would all be you know like troubled by that and like view like the category of like a from jew by things other than like only shabbos and kosher's um so what we really want to do i think all right is the way we puzzle people communally is by claiming that they're Averos represent some kind of theological gap, right? So you're Ovei Kochav Mazalos, you're Kofer in God, and if you're and if you're Mechal Shabbos, right, you're Kofer in creation. So we really want, you know, what you're really looking for is we're looking for a claim that if you're abusive, you're denying Salam mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's already, that's already an ex- expansive halachic definition. It is no, but I think what I think that what you're pointing out is we don't really have any. We don't really have that I know of in halacha a claim that that a violation of a of a ben adam lachavero per se represents a denial of religious principle. The way we do about Shabbat, right? Shabbat stands for something, and we violate it. Okay. Right. So the way to do it would be to say, look, there's this, and in this culture, this represents a violation of this theological principle. So I'm saying the theological principle would obviously be selling the game. Now we have to figure out which things we think that if you do that are really violations. We could say, for example, torture. Right? There's an article, I'm fond of an article by, by, by Charles Fried and his son. I think it's also Charles Fried. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a book against torture written from, by the, jointly together. The father is a conservative Christian, conservative Republican Christian, and the son is, liberal, is, a liberal, is a liberal Democrat atheist. And they wrote a book together against torture claiming that Salam al-Lakim was a secularizable concept. That, uh, right, that could, I don't know if they succeeded very much in doing that. Uh, probably, you know, if I were a good Ruf Cook Catholic, I would say it just shows that, you, that there's, 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 a on the, there's a pit on the Catholic in everyone. And that's why, right, that's why he really believes in, in Salam al-Lakim. That's why he thinks the argument against torture would work for, uh, for, secular, uh, for, for secular Catholics. Um, but I think it's an interesting suggestion, uh, right? Which is, you know, that, that maybe, maybe, maybe uh, that it would be worth thinking about whether there are particular kinds of interpersonal, uh, interpersonal misfit that we could get a consensus on, that we could get to mean that, such that if somebody openly violated them, we would no longer see them as part of the community. And that might run away, whereas now we have this, you know, we have, we have this grave ambiguity where some, where some people want to make every violation of their political positions, a, you know, you right. know a, a communal exclusion because obviously you don't believe in God if you can, right. you know, oppose right. an increase in the minimum wage. And, I think that's, sorry, go on. Right, you know, and, and on the other hand, right, you know, it seems, it's really embarrassing when, you know, when, when major league abusers, um, now we have pluses, like, you know, like, I think none of us, let's say, and I think that he wasn't an abuser on that level, but suppose he had been, none of us wanted to wanted to retroactively possible all over every Frendel's care. Hmm. Right? So we have to be careful about the right and 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 be careful about those sorts of about those sorts of things because they can have because your zeal can lead to uh, can lead to um, 
Right. Yeah. We're... I mean, the, the general oh, yeah, inclination yeah. on all these chuba that we've seen has been to say that more people are from, even if they don't seem to be, as opposed to the other way around. Right. That is correct. But okay. we are we are reading a. I think Eliana is being selective. Uh, mm -hmm. Read read the chuba that want to puzzle hundreds of gera. And you right. You know. Yes, they were. Yeah. Yes, they were from for six months. But you know, it obviously, was a shammer would have lasted. You know, for twenty years. Yeah. Uh, right. So I don't think. I think we should be aware that we're reading a selection. Yeah. And there is a counter course. Right. I think what I think actually like we we're seeing in a way like the opposite where like we have a very specific issue that's like you know like is such and such thing going to be possible or you know can these people be like nemanim for you know X Y Z and we're like this issue is so specific that our like definition of from kite for each of those might be different and what proves the difference, especially in the last two chuvo that are kind of like, in, kind of perpendicular that we saw, um, which is that like, ultimately a lot of things are about sociology and about categorizations. Cause like, you know, being Mikhail Shabbos like means, you know, like Momar in certain cases in some communities it does not mean Momar cause those people weren't aware. So like being more aware of the sociology, um, which I think is like one kind of point that I like, want to make in this year can like make us like in fact more open-minded to the fact that like we can define Frumkai differently and like, we have the power to and um like it kind of depends on the definitions that you know like we want to make and as we get more holistically sophisticated um and like become aware of different resources we have and like the different levels of responsibility that people have like you know like ranging from like being like good in mominos to you know, like keeping like, I don't know, like ritual stuff properly, like, you know, that can make us like make sharper distinctions. Um, and I think like taking this to like, you know, a far degree, um, like what people have mentioned, like in the last 15 minutes, um, we, you know, like it's reasonable to be worried about like, you know, like, right now sociologically like you know there are some things that like you know we don't have established so well or like you know like Russian horror stuff that we we're talking about like in this summer um but like let's imagine a society where like a lot of people um were sociologically accustomed to keep Shabbos very well um but like the society is very corrupt and people are very like not aware of like the rules of Russian horror by Tuelas um, and people are not aware of DNA Pikuak Nefesh. And like people become so unaware of those that it creates a Chol Hashem and people don't like So like people stop believing in the halachic power of rabbis. And like, that's like the ideal peril situation of here where like someone's not keeping Shabbos will like puzzle them as like Orthodox members of the community. And like, that's kind of the paradigm. I think some of these sources um, might lay out the possibility of um, like what we've been discussing. Um, but yeah, I think there's like a lot of gray area for that. Do you want to say something? Yeah, I wonder if part of our sociological discomfort with the idea that we would exclude people from the community on this basis is because like we have this growing phenomenon, which is not necessarily unique, but it is growing of people who leave the Orthodox community and yet 
are remain deeply, deeply enmeshed in it in ways that are like not just like sociological, um, but like ideological, right? There are people like our mutual friend, you know, <laughs> uh, who leave um, who leave orthodoxy in the sense of not keeping halacha, but also they still have these like you know very passionate defenses of many many orthodox mm -hmm. values and beliefs, uh, right? And there are a lot of people like that, and there's there's a growing number of people like that. Um, right, like there was an article that Amy Klein wrote about the about my unorthodox life in which she was talking about how, you know, how boring her ex-orthodox story is because, you know, she still sends her kids to day school and visits her parents and she's currently in Israel, I think, visiting her in-laws while her kid goes to summer camp, you know, like, yeah. like stuff like that, um, right, there are people who stay, mm. who stay enmeshed ideologically and not just sociologically and I think that that contributes to our, um, like, discomfort with the idea that those people are not part of the community. That's interesting. Right. I think we have a, yeah, I think that we, we may just be non-orthodoxy, it's both orthodoxy, have a feeling like, you know, we're a minority and we need to grab everyone we can is our general advantage. And it's interesting to see, you know, like the, when, when Sharansky and whoever else it was wrote, wrote, wrote the article called The Unjews several weeks, several weeks ago. Oh, that article. Um, right, so that was, right, so for some people, Zionism is, right, at least anti-Zionism, is a, right, is a boundary. Mm -hmm. You're not really part of the Jewish people if you don't automatically defend. Um, and you know, Deborah and I have this argument about the Torah Karta, but that's usually within orthodoxy, not within jury, uh, right? But should we include people who are not within the boundary? Right? So I think I, you know, I'm interested. I think you know, I think Zionism is an interesting question. To what extent people think yeah. Zionism should be um, should you know, anti-Zionism should be an exclusion the way. To be honest, right, you know, in both orthodoxy and reform, Zionism was an exclusion for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I really wonder, like, whether people think, you know, in terms of, like, so we're, you know, we're trying to some extent to throw Magdalene out of the community. Um, and the problem is it only works to throw someone out of the community if they have an interest in remaining. Right, right. So, right. right for, for any kind of sanctions to be effective, people have to lose something. And it's very rare that you're, you're, sometimes over magnum we can actually create, we either create pressure outside the community, but you know, the, you know, it doesn't work on the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee apparently. Um, and for sometimes there are people who really do want to remain in the community and we just yeah. want to try and make life as unpleasant as possible for let's say the buddy didn't that encourage bigamy. Um, yeah. But they really should. Yeah. Right? The that they should have been there about without getting it and they should mm -hmm. make their life as miserable as possible. Uh, within the community. Um, but I wonder how much, I guess like to me an interesting test is not just Zionism is one interesting test. Another interesting test is, do we think that people in principle would be in favor of having a Shmira Shabbos type test on Ben Omechavero issues? Uh, Lashon Hara seems very ambitious to me. Uh, yeah. But- uh, I think that would be like very wonderful for the community if that was like a thing. It would be a very well, small community. Yeah. Maybe that's that like look like people like are very like let's say like in America where there's a ton of Jews that aren't observant and Orthodox Jews are always saying like oh like but we need to preserve the integrity of Orthodoxy by X Y Z even if we leave people out like, those people are saying that already they might as well like create a better image for themselves like by having a higher standard for ethical issues. That would be awesome. I just don't know that that it's a. Excluding, excluding Raleigh Wilson Hara won't really help. Yeah, it, it would they just have their own community that wouldn't be 
that it would be the same community except the annoying rabbis. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I, I, I you know, that, but we could, we could, we might have gone exclude certain kinds of Bali Lashonara. If we can think of particular kinds of people who are journalists. People who watch reality television. <laughs> people who make reality television. Uh, we think that journalists yeah. could also potentially certain journalists, like journalism, could also be like a positive. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's yanking my chain. It's good that people feel comfortable enough yanking my chain. I lose a chain. <laughs> I dangle the chain know, in front of me. I um, know my soul has been. I know two people that were banned from my soul, but wow. well, one person it was like he was committing adultery, and that was messy. Then the other was I don't know why he wasn't in jail, but he was pedophile, so. So we, you know, we probably, we probably, sex criminals are probably the easiest. Yes, exactly. Which but I, then, are there are still places where LGBT people are like grouped in? When it's also, if there's a rabbi who's a sex criminal, who also costs a lot of like gear. Yeah, <laughs> right, so that, that's the. You know, I think you know that we we pulled <laughs> off the difficult task of capturing it retrospectively and not prospectively. Although I, I have to say, like, it strikes me as a little bit odd that sex criminals are Dafka, the people that we exclude, because I think Verdi Habitosa, which says that is, you know, likely to be the least reflective action of your, of, of a character. Because uh -huh. people there are people who can't control their sexuality and nonetheless are perfectly good people in other ways. You know, so, like, I why think, Daf why Dafka we make that the crime? I think I, it reflects I, on your theology. <laughs> right? Doesn't, right. Okay. I agree. I think it might be because of the damage to others. Okay, so they're yeah. bad to keep them physically away. But I don't know, you know, but I don't know. That yeah, I, think the, I think this is the tension of, between like orthodoxy as a religious category and orthodoxy as a social category, because mm -hmm. there are certain people who, as Tabor Machla mentioned, are part of the social category, but not part of the religious category. But, but sometimes they do want to be part of the religious they, but I specifically, they have beliefs like there were like like there there have always been people who like left the orthodox community but sort of like stayed in the sense of like sociologically being part of it right like julia Hart yeah, seems I, to have done right like they, they like they eat circus meals with their kids but they don't really believe in anything but there are yeah, currently people yeah, who people. have left orthodoxy but in term but are still very jewish and in terms of their religious yeah. beliefs have no interest in being part of any other movement no i this, yeah, this yeah. is what i'm trying to say that like there's people that like they're part of the social category and even though from some perspectives they wouldn't be part of the religious category from other perspectives they want to be and at least some capacity. so part of the question is whether the reason we ban Shmir Shabbos is because it's the worst thing or is it because it's an action that could frame for themselves and for us as representing something right so I think we can say that there are people who are worse criminals and are still part of the community but I think we, there are specific things that we want to say that they represent. They represent things that exclude the community. Just being a bad person, I think that you know the correct argument is Orthodox people do bad things. Excluding from the community is just a way of evading responsibility. Mm. You have to take right, take responsibility for the bad people in your community and try to make them better. Right, throwing throwing the bad people out of your community doesn't make the world better. It just makes you feel better about yourself, especially if you want yeah. to do it retract retroactively. <laughs> Once we find out that they've been doing these horrible things to all those people, right? So then. We, uh, maybe we can return your donations. 
Or maybe we keep your donations, but take your, to take your plaque off. Uh, right, which, <laughs> uh, whichever one you, uh, so I don't know. I, I'm not, and I, I'm not a, it's not obvious to me that, um, not obvious to me that, that, that um, sex crimes are the right way to exclude people from the religious community, as opposed mm -hmm. to whatever things are necessary for safety. That's a, that's a fair thing. I mean, yeah. I think like, from, think from the perspective of the social community, like we don't want those people in the social community, but yeah. from the religious perspective, it's not necessarily. Well, that's like also a very dangerous like people to keep around, you know. Like, that's right. right. And yet, it's, do we think that adults true. shouldn't visit them? If they're if Chassidushon, their parents are nifter, do we think that adults shouldn't visit them to be in the Avela? And it doesn't mean they don't believe in God. Oh, it <laughs> depends who their sex crime is against. If it's against adults, then maybe not. But okay, but I'm saying like. Do we, right, to exclude someone in the community means that we deny the specific responsibilities you have to them as Jews in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. And that may be not from orthodoxy, but if we exclude them from the Jewish community, right, that's what right. it means. I don't know that those are dafka the people that we should, right, who is, right, whom we should not sit shiva with. Right, right. the challenge is our community is largely comprised of religious actions. Hmm. So to say, we're excluding you from the religious community also usually means if you can't come to Shoal, then you're not going to be at the Kiddush. <laughs> right, so I, th I think that we, you know, I think that, um, I think that we need a, um, a I, th I think it should be very hard to exclude people from Shoal. Right, and I will also say for the case of adultery, there was a period of time where he was allowed to come, but under certain conditions and he didn't follow right. those conditions right and that's that's you know that's a but, but alternatively maybe for social reasons we don't want these sex criminals to be to be at the kiddish and therefore we have to tell them they can't come to shul either despite yeah. the fact that religiously we know there's well you can say as a rule you can come to you can come to shul but you can't mm -hmm. but you can't go to kiddish uh, wouldn't they be in jail also if they're that dangerous they would be in jail if the no. they're out of jail it's not a life sentence yeah something so maybe, maybe if the jail doesn't consider are. them Dangerous enough to be. Yeah, well, we we have this very, very, no. odd, <laughs> very odd American situation where we sort of keep them in a sort of jail for the rest of their life. They went to jail for the defined period of time, which again, that's this. Take us off hand whether this is in fact a wise way. And there are other types. You know, Madoff is an interesting um, mm. example where you know, okay, he was a very big swindler. Does that mean that he can't daven any of Kipper with a minion? Yeah, what about people who really, really don't care about family separation on the border? Right now, that might be a much less terrible crime, and yet it might be that that expresses a much more fundamental, mm. right, a much more fundamental notion, right? Because they're not it's not about taiva, right? Which taiva is you can if you give in to your taivas, you're a bad person, but if you consciously decide to Right to do right. You don't care about people. That's not a taiva. That's right. That's uh, that's right. That's being a you know, That's that's having bad videos. Yeah. A single person that we could all agree, like like theoretical person who had committed some sort of crime that we would all agree should be excluded. So I think that's the challenge. Whether you know, it's a challenge. Is there is there a like a person is hard because we can always judge. You know, we argue what their motives are. The question is. Could we move? Right. Could, that's not question. I think it takes it takes effort. I don't think Shabbos inherently represented that. I think we chose to have Shabbos yeah. represent that so that people would know. And that's why I brought people would know, right? We constructed Shabbos as a statement of belief in creation. And therefore, 
right? Why would you not keep Shabbos? Right. So the kinds of people who uh, who like run um, like telephone scams to go like get money from old ladies, right? Should we keep yeah. those people out of our community completely? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I have my choice. I think that's that's a thief. Do we do we keep the children a thief a very like... horrible crime? I know thieves mm. that are really nice. Well, children, it's a different thing. Why? Why is it a different thing? How like and once we're excluding somebody from the community, to what degree do we exclude them, and how do we decide that? Right. So I think like one interesting test we used to have was: do we give them aliyahs? Right. So mm -hmm. that right. Kanishul, someone not giving someone an aliyah is very different from not letting them control. Not giving an aliyah in our community. Right. Publicly not giving them an aliyah is a way of excluding someone, uh, denying someone membership. What does it mean to publicly not give it's someone aliyah? It's only for men. Yeah. It, well, it's only for men. No, but like, but what does it mean to publicly not give someone an aliyah? You just don't give them an aliyah. No one knows. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how much people are atten paying attention. You put out lists of people you don't, you're not giving aliyah to, or oh, you publicize fine. it, Dafka. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's not that they're not giving aliyah, it's the fact that it's been publicized. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, so, you know, in the former Soviet Union, by the way, people used to steal a lot. So like a thief, being a thief was like a common practice. I, I don't think it's thief, right? So the, it's the, right. we're talking about the people who pray, who steal Dafka from the weak and elderly. Yeah, well, that's the easiest people to steal from. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, True. I'm not saying I, I, I think it's a good thing, uh -huh. but I'm saying people who are thieves, that's what they steal from. Okay, maybe kids, that, so maybe in that culture, like, it didn't mean the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, it, that's, and uh, you know, there's a little bit of, of hyperbole in, uh, in that kind of, uh, yeah. in that kind of thing. I wonder, you know, I wonder what we, I suspect we would, you know, we would probably move to Magnin as right you know, in our current community and say like, yeah. That's the one thing we could probably. Do you want to keep them out forever? Well, until they did shuba. Well, how do you know they did shuba? They gave to get. How do you know they did shuba? That's how you do shuba. Is it? I think yeah. so. You, you stop doing it. That's about as good as it gets. But then yeah. even even Ma'agnim, like the reason I think we want to exclude them from the community is to compel them to give the get, not necessarily because we think that they're such bad people. Uh, that's correct. That's correct. Right? So I'm not sure it's the right. I also think they're bad people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not when I finish my cheeseburger, I become a good person. Pardon? When I finish my cheeseburger, are you not going to eat another one? So the advantage is, like you know, that we when you give the get, so then we are at least temporarily depriving you of access to further cheeseburgers. <laughs> and then, and then you have to sign the printout if, if you're going to remarry. Yeah, I guess so. That or... would be. I think that would be. Uh, I think is that. that Okay, I think if you I, don't believe that you did anything wrong. Like, let's say, let's say I finished my cheeseburger and now I'm a vegan. Yeah, you know, this is my last cheeseburger, but I still don't think that there's anything wrong with eating cheeseburgers, right? Am I am, have I done chuba? Here, Nafkamina, a person's again, and the wife dies. Do we let him back in? It might be that in those cases we require a statement. Uh, I don't know that vegan is the right thing. So yeah, I, I would much rather be about torture. I really would. Um, yeah, torture. Physical torture. Um, I would much rather. I would much rather it be something. I actually, if the isn't big enough. How do we know who committed torture? Right, so that's part of the challenge, right? You know, it's, it's easy for me to say that because there aren't, and it might be that all of the people who did or defended other people I like, uh, right? You know, let's say Michael New Casey, perhaps, uh, right? Under some circumstances, by my very well ranking person. But how do you define torture? Right, so that's not. So that's not. A, yeah, I would like it to be something like that. Because of the specific argument they have in my head. Do you think torture is a hard value? I wrote about it. No, I don't. I mean, well, I, I, wrote, I wrote about this. I think sometimes it's, I think it's unlikely that torture is ever mutter where killing is also. Um, Do you think it is? 
Yeah, probably Alabama. I think probably that's right. I think it's probably it's probably Ariel or it's Richard, somebody else. This is the that tells us about Anani uh, and Azaria that um, that they they stood up to death, but they wouldn't have stood up to torture. Um, um, Renehal, I think that right quotes it. Um, also, also, at least Renehal and Tosos quote it. But yeah, but so I, I, what I what I what I would want is some action that we can all somehow assign the meaning of that by by not doing this, you represent faith in a certain kind of concept of the human being as as having you know as having certain privileges, rights, whatever you want to call them, and we have duties toward them, and because of some notion of Selim Lakim without getting into philosophy of what Selim Lakim means. That's why I think it would be useful, right? If we had an action that became symbolic, so everybody doing it or not doing it was affirming that. And I understood that by doing that, they're, right, they're, ma they're making a statement. We reject the Torah's whole conception of humanity. Um, yeah, but also somebody who tortures us for sure probably going to be somebody with mental illness. I mean, no, 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 they could just be someone. No, many people believe torture was perfectly legitimate in, against 9 11. Yeah, and what? then some people we torture terrorists, and then some people right. well, I go mean, yeah, along that's like for with, yeah, I don't think torture is mental illness. That's the point. No. <laughs> I don't think torture is mental illness at all. I don't think torture is ever mutter. Even even for like if you're trying to figure out like who the terrorist is, or something. read the article. But yes, yeah, I think okay. even I think okay. even when it, most of the community is never Um That was my that's my argument. But um, I don't know. I think it's mm -hmm. worth. I mean, if someone's an idol worshiper, do right. you say they also believe in God? <laughs> yeah, there's no reason idol worshippers can't believe in God. According to the Ramban, the people who worship the eagle believe in God. Right? What, what's the no difficulty believing in God and believing that it's that it's, it's very effective to worship. I was they were telling the story of uh, the fellow from uh, Boston College who came to SBM the year we did Christianity and talked about what he what he what he has in mind when he prays to images of saints. And mm. some people said, "Wow, really? What is that?" And some people said, "That's what I do." That's a pretty interesting. That's a pretty interesting me. Yeah, you know, um, sounds like a fun discussion. <laughs> uh, I remember having a, a big fight in high school. Uh, I don't remember which fight I was on. Uh, which I did, you know, found in the cards after is that whether, whether having an image in mind when you pray is a useful aid to Kavana or Vodazar. I heard that um, one time, like, Rav Shagar came to Malia Dumim. And gave a whole speech about um, how you know it's useful when you're dominating to conceptualize God as like a person, and then like Robert Bino that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I heard this story. Uh, all right, Eliana, I've taken up a lot of it. This is very, very helpful. So, but you get the last three minutes to uh, to close. That's uh, three minutes. Uh, okay, I'm gonna open my document again. So. <laughs> it's not because my phone died, so I couldn't see the show. Uh, Wait, what? Wait, what his phone died, so we came back to his computer. <laughs> I couldn't see the car anymore. Okay, so, um, so, like, very quick summary because we don't have so much time. The last two sources were um, na, 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 um, the Maharaj Dam talks about, um, like, like what it means when you divide a base um, does it appear like two tarot or not? Um, 
that's like um more of a dinner related to um well to go to do which is by minhag so it's not exactly um what we're doing with so much here but it still talks about like the notion of like um can one bait dean that like has a disagreement and divides into two versus two different bait dean like which one of them represents or creates like a, a impression that there are two Torah and like why is that an issue? Um, and then the last source talks is the Nitziv, who basically um, has a long chua. Um, you can read in your free time about how um, he kind of, um, I was a fan of him. So he rejects the notion that um, we should rely on categories as much as we do in um, like Kalachic observance. Um, and in particular, he like tries to emphasize that um, it is just not productive to have so many categories where um, the elite, you know, will become overly zealous and overly pious. And like, I think the Yuhur element, which I didn't stress as much um, yet explicitly, even though implicitly came up in a lot of places, is like a huge issue. Um, that's like, um, in some cases, like Malum ever, um, like, even like practical bits because like the Uhura can make a really corrupt society where like um, the elite that knows everything and that like socially, you know, um, gathers in a certain way, um, dictates things that people who don't have access um, will not be able to and it becomes political. That's like a huge mess to our ethics and our like Jewish observance and everything. Um, and then he talks about also just like the fact that we want people to learn Torah, even if it's show Lishma, it will um, come to be Lishma. Um, and therefore, um, that um, we should like make an effort to um, not be so sectarian. Um, that's like a general point that he makes, but you know, obviously there's a lot of text there. Uh, so I guess like in general, what we saw um, is that like in response to how to categorize or how do we even deal with categories today where it's almost like a misnomer, um, where like, if we wanna be intellectually honest to the Jewish tradition, um, we have to like acknowledge that, um, like just being called Shomer, Shabbos, Akashras, is like not enough um, to be considered um, mm -hmm. as we were talking about in the last half hour. Um, mm -hmm. and an ideal Jewish it should not be enough to be considered like, you know, credible because like it could be like over in a lot of other things and that's really problematic um and different sources we saw basically um say that like being an aide is um like about um like being believable um nimanis is about like keeping like a certain communal standard so that like we can reasonably observe something um, um or you know often about like enabling a community to like reasonably keep going and also keep important halachot. Um, and it's sort of like all these different like mechanisms um, kind of illustrate how a lot of like um, assessments of like whether like observance of like one thing and not another thing um, should be made on a case by case basis. And instead of categorizing person like orthodox or not um, and orthodox itself is like a loaded and very like um, assumptive term but rather saying like for this specific issue, like, you know, what do we need? Do we need like, you know, belief in God or do we need like, you know, level of trustworthiness that like they're reliable or do we need like, 
you know, like another thing and maybe like, and through that it will provide a window for like more expansive um, ability to like assess or not assess and be aware of when we assess and when we don't. And like, especially um, like an avenue towards like, considering more Benedum welfare issues than we currently do. Cause that's like an important direction for the community. So I guess that's like the summary. Right. Sure. That was great. Uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, wonderful to have you back for the day. Thank you for being with us, you know, at least partially all summer. Um, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.